<sighs> All right. Well, this is uh, the first official episode. So, uh, and I already forgot some of my paperwork. So, but I do want to w- welcome you to the Whistle Pig Podcast. I'm sitting here with my grandpa. Uh, how you doing today, Grandpa? Oh, I'm doing great. Been a great day. What all? Uh, what all did you do? <laughs> Made it a great day. What all happened? Well, it started out. It was a just beautiful blue sky, sunshine for a change. <laughs> that helped a lot. Yeah. Went uh, squirrel hunting with my grandson, and we got. We managed to. He did manage to shoot a squirrel. So that was a good good thing for him. And me to both, we get a chance to enjoy each other's company. You're talking DJ, not me, just so they... DJ, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, you guys shoot him on the property or you walk, step over on well, state land? We went land? to the private property, or I mean to the state property first. We didn't see anything, so we came back, took a break, had dinner, went out on our property. Took an hour or so before we seen them squirrel. So and then uh, finally one showed up, and he bit the dust. <laughs> and you said DJ shot him, right? DJ shot him, yeah. Headshot? How did he shoot him? A what? Headshot? What he? Yeah, he shot him in the headshot once, but he he got kind of got stuck in a tree there, so he had to shoot him a second time, and get him down. <laughs> what did he shoot him with? The twenty-two. His uh, Henry. Yeah. Nice. Open sight still on that, or did he scope it? Oh, no, it? no. He did scope it? Yeah. <laughs> Should have kept it open sight. That thing's a tack driver. That's yeah. A, that's the problem I think I'm having with that SIG is I'm so used to open sight, so then trying to run the red dot, you know, it's, it's <laughs> different. Yeah. It's different. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, definitely different. Difference. Yeah, well... On that subject, I mean, uh, what do you think of some of these gun laws coming down the pipeline? Well. Or stuff that's on the ballot, Yeah, bans. I don't know if it's going to happen because <laughs> it might. We probably will see something, but they, I don't see anything that's going to help any situation that, you know, that's going <laughs> to make these mass shootings any different because those people are going to find the ways to do that. <laughs> they don't always use uh, AK-47s or rifles like that with large capacity. So, <laughs> And if they wanted, definitely wanted to use something like they could find it somewhere. Yeah, it's there. It is there to find. And uh, yeah. you remember Timothy McVeigh, right? Oh, yeah. That yeah. wasn't a mass shooting. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he just went, filled up some diesel, got some fertilizer. Yeah. <laughs> made himself a truck bomb. The dude that... Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, if those, there's people like that are going to do things like that. They're going to find a way. I mean, I was, uh, I don't know, it was maybe 10, 12 years ago when I first heard of it, but the bath bombing... The yeah. guy that went crazy and bombed the school in Bath. Not too far from us here. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> that was, uh, man. 
It's a whole thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's... Yeah, those kind of people... That, there's always a way for those people. I don't know. I, well, that's where we have the problem with the people, not the guns. Well, then that brings me to this point. I know we've talked about it before, but murder's already illegal. <laughs> yeah. It's already a felony for a felon to obtain a handgun. Right. Yeah, I know that. It's already a felony to carry weapons in some of these places that mass shootings are occurring. Right. Yeah. So how many laws is it yeah, going to take before somebody finally says, all right, all right, enough is enough, I guess. I'm done being a criminal because it's too hard to be a criminal with all these laws. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But, you know, in, in my opinion, I feel like um, I feel like the time is more, not the time. The times call for more firearms than they ever have. Oh, yeah. Oddly as that is to say, and as scary as it is to people that are scared of guns, you have a safer society when nobody knows who's going to stop them. Yeah, right. (laughs) You know. For sure, that's true. You start taking all these restrictions, like the AR pistol ban, okay? To an extent, I understand it because it seems like a loophole to get around having an SBR, short-barreled rifle, okay? I understand where it seems like a loophole. But the thing they don't understand is you can still put a folding stock on your AR. Now, I'm not saying you can or can't shoot with it because it depends on the system. If you're running a buffer tube, you can't shoot with it folded. But there are contained bolt carrier groups because the stock has that buffer tube and then the bolt carrier group retracts into the buffer tube. So when it's folded up, it can't fire, right? It can't, the bolt carrier can't. But now CMMG and a couple other manufacturers have a contained bolt carrier. So it doesn't even need a stock on it, right? Right. It doesn't need a buffer tube. Yeah. And the thing is you put a folding stock on it or, you know, whatever. It's still considered a pistol as long as it's got a tube. Yeah. But you can put a short barrel on it, four or five inches, seven yeah. inches, <laughs> fold it up, and then put it in your center console. Yeah. <laughs> and the right. thing is, me personally, I want more of those out there on the road. I want to be the stoplight, look over, maybe see a guy's got a sticker on his rear window or whatever. Uh, like I do now, I see like a Springfield Armory sticker or whatever, right? Right. You, you give them the nod. Yeah, right. You, you see go. the guy that's got the shape of Michigan with the handgun in it? Yeah. <laughs> you give him the nod because you know if you're out in public and that guy just happens to be in the same store as you and something happens, you're not alone in your engagements. Yeah, right. right? Yeah, true. The only thing I feel is that we need to come together to figure out a way where it's not frowned upon or people aren't being put down. Because I see things online that say, oh, you know, like, uh, what's his name? That Republican is lying all the time. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember his name off the top of my head. 
I try and honestly forget that stuff, but <laughs> but um, yeah. I saw that he was endorsing. Whoop! I saw that he was endorsing making. Jeez, stop! Okay, are we done? I saw that he was endorsing um, trying to make the AR-15 the official firearm of the United States, <laughs> our our country's gun, right? Oh, really? <laughs> right? Now, I'm not against that at all because what Eugene Stoner did with that platform is amazing. It's an amazing tool. Right. What I'm annoyed by is the backlash that people give saying, I can't believe somebody would try and support a weapon that slaughtered or massacred, or they use these words, right? Something that, a weapon that was used in the mass murder of, you know. And the thing is, yes, but it was also used in the mass murder in the defense of this country. Yeah, true. Now, here's the thing. Circling back to what you said earlier. They'll find a way. They find a way. It's every time there's a mass shooting. It's the first thing you hear is, you know, we got to do the gun laws. We got to do something about the gun laws. Well, the guns don't kill people. People kill people. You know, it's, we got to do something about the people. How they, they can get those guns? They they shouldn't be uh, <laughs> easily available to those people that are. You know they're uh, mostly mentally mental problems. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of that. And honestly, I don't even think it's easily available. That's the issue. I think what it is because there's numerous stories of people that are felons, right? And they have their girlfriend, yeah. right? Or their son or their brother. And it could be a matter of influence, you know. It could be they're scared of this person or they're being threatened by this person. Yeah. (laughs) Or in exchange for your safety, you buy me this. Which, again, you know, that's a different thing to address. But I don't think that they're easily available because... Well, no. I mean, a gun is not going to kill somebody by himself. It's got. It just can't happen. No. Gun is not. Well, let me. Let me counter that by saying it can happen. Okay, let's not say it can't. But there's usually a user error, as in a malfunction, of. The device itself, whether it's well, yeah, an alteration in somebody's hand, but I'm talking about a gun that's laying on the table or something. Right. It's not going to kill somebody because somebody has to pick that gun up and, uh, you know, activate it. Yes. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this: When you were a kid, do you recall mass shootings being? I hate to say a thing, but do you remember them being a thing? No, I don't. I, I could be wrong about that, but I can't say as... 
that I remember, I'm sure what's happened, but it, it seemed like so, to me, the way I remember it, it was quite infrequent. I mean, it didn't happen very often. Okay. I want to throw two things at you. I might forget the second, but I want to throw two things at you. First, I want to give you a little bit of stats, right? Okay. We used to have, and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong, quote-unquote loony bins, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, now, you remember how people would say or act a certain way or people would even, I, don't, I hate to say act or whatever a certain way, but how people would even warn you, hey, hey, tone it down, you're getting crazy, you don't want to be taken to the loony bin. Hell yeah. You don't want to be admitted to the yeah. loony bin. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's true. Now, throw a stat at you. I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but it's something like for every 100,000 Americans, there's like 17 psychological treatment beds, spots available, right? Where it used to be like 390-something. Don't quote me on the exact numbers. I don't have internet right now to look this up. But it used to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 300-plus beds per 100,000 Americans, right? Yeah. Where we've cut it down to 17 or 19, something like that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now, over the course of, let's say, from the 60s, well, no, let's even say you were born in 44, right? Right. Now, what was happening in the world around then? Well, 44. That was just about the end of the World War Two. Okay. World War Two. World War Two, right. Now, we're talking draft, draftees. Oh, yeah. We're talking volunteers. Yeah. We're talking... Millions of Americans dead. We're talking. We're talking a an, a war effort. That this entire country, took in the, I don't want to say into their own hands, because I don't think every American voted to go to war, but, we bore the responsibility of the actions we were taking overseas. You had, people giving up rubber. Right. Yeah. They weren't just making tires at Michelin to sit, <laughs> you know. They were recycling. Um just women in general were in the workforce, the riveters, right? Yeah, Rosie the Riveter, yeah. They had women had to go to the help support the war to work, you know Medics. everything for the service departments. Medics, um uniforms. True. true. You know? Yeah. Now, what I'm getting at, I don't want to cut you off there because I want you to dig into it if you want. Just wave me off. But what I was getting at is at one point we had a country unified through a war. As sad as that is, that yes. it took a war, we were unified Yes. <laughs> against an enemy. Right. Okay, now you were born, like you said, at the tail end of that. Right. Okay. That didn't just go away when the war was over. No, no, no. <laughs> so for 20, 30 years, 
you had veterans that fought in that war that were home. All right. And a lot of them. You had a lot of a lot of people that helped build things that, here at home for the war effort overseas. About everybody had a family member or several that were in the fight. Yes. <laughs> Everyone. It Every, makes it seem like everybody, every family. Right. Now, wave me off if I if you need to. Tell me I'm wrong. But it makes it hard for you to go kill your neighbor at the movie theater and 40 others when you're unified like that. <laughs> true. Yes, that's true. Okay? okay. Yeah, I'll go with that. Yep. Now, it makes it even harder to walk into a school when you know that you have people that have fought for your country that have children in that school or people that have made things for you to win your freedom in that school. Yeah. Right? People right. that have fought and built for this country have children in that school. You're not going to shoot it up. The kids see the effort. The yeah. kids see the news. The kids have uncles not coming home. Dad's not coming home. They don't have that urge to create that violence. Right. But also, I feel like on the back end, that would have been a time for mass shootings because you have veterans coming home with PTSD. Right, yeah. Watching their friends get blown apart, yeah. shot in front of them, and not being taken care of the way that they are now because we didn't understand PTSD then. So really it was more primed, in my opinion, for an outbreak of mass shootings. You had yeah. trained soldiers yeah, coming home. that's true. There was a lot of issues with the veterans after the war. Understandable. Yeah. What they I've, had to go through. I've heard some crazy stories, watched some crazy footage. Yeah. Um, I mean, even... Even Iraq, Afghanistan footage, you get some of the uncut stuff, it's incredible. <laughs> but we're right. coming into a time where we have the ability to show our country what that is, how ugly it is, right? Yeah. Most of these soldiers are going in with GoPros. They're recording their operations because that's how we learn how to operate better. Right. There, there wasn't that in Korea, Vietnam. You know? No, that wasn't. It's <laughs> certainly not, not like it is now. I mean, it's so different. And one of the other things I wanted to get at there, get your opinion on this, Vietnam. You have the hippie movement, right? Everything <laughs> sways. Oh, yeah. So you have all these soldiers coming home from World War II. They have kids. They survived. They have children. They have nieces and nephews that have seen what they've gone through. Yeah. That's going to push them in an opposite direction, more than likely. They're either going to unify or re repel, like magnets. There is no in-between. Yeah. For the most part. So I feel like you're seeing a lot of these people that say, away with war. Okay, we don't want that. We see what it's done to my dad, my uncle. I lost my uncle. I lost my dad in this war. That war. You end up having things like, again, the hippie movement born out of the fact that there was a generation that witnessed the terrors and the trauma. Yeah. But, yeah. but even the education system didn't take that, what they had seen, 
and re-solidify that into patriotism and say, hey, we can't not have this. It's okay to disagree with it. It's okay to disagree with it on these terms. But we can't not have soldiers willing to die for you to say what you're saying right now. Yeah, right. Well, I, yeah, I can't. Uh, it makes that's the way it is. That's just makes sense to me. I mean, that's the way it. You know that. That's the way it was. And uh, I know you. It is. <laughs> well, and then here's what I wanted to get to. Ultimately, is those hippie kids have hippie children. Yeah. You get to the '80s. You get <laughs> the drug culture. Even the 70s, but mainly the 80s, right? You have all the drug culture on the scene. Rock and roll music gets taken to a new level. You have hair bands. Eventually it evolves into grunge music. Where people are singing and the culture is emulating. The movies are even putting out things that are sad and woe is me. You know? Yeah. Why, Why am I getting treated so bad? Why does everybody hate me? Now, the 80s was more about drugs and women. A lot of it. But that, again, sways, right? No woman wants me in the 90s. You hear about how, you know, or you see movies that are even less about a dude. Like in the 80s, how many movies can you think of where there's a kid, he's getting picked on, and then he grows up to be something great? Yeah. Where instead, in the 90s, early 2000s, you have a movie about a kid who's getting picked on, and he can't figure out why he's getting picked on. And then maybe he becomes something great, maybe he doesn't. But it's just more of a focus on the bullying, let's say. You know, the the negative things that happen to him that puts him in a mindset to not persevere. Right, yeah. But to me, the thing nobody sees out of all that is that there's a missing figure that's taking this person's negativity or negative views, something that's taking this kid or this man or this woman, and they're taking that negativity and turning it into gold. Where they're saying, this is how you persevere. It's good these things are happening to you. Because when you're handed everything you want, you're weak. Right. You don't know how to take no. <laughs> yep, right. You don't know how to keep going when somebody pushes you down. You don't know how to get up. Yeah, I know. <clears throat> That's right. It's. <laughs> I mean, I know I've been rambling, but it's just... I feel like the whole gun thing is getting taken to a getting taken to a level where we're we're I don't want to say we're getting to a tipping point but too many people have forgotten what it's like to be comfortable. They're comfortable when they're online saying, "Hey, this should be this way." That should be that way. But the thing they don't realize is they're going out to dinner with their wife or their husband unarmed. And they think the answer to preventing somebody from coming in there and shooting them and everybody else is to make a law. 
<laughs> yeah. Where the answer is to do what you're scared of, right? Because fear, you conquer your fear, you grow. Yes. Do what you're scared of. Purchase a firearm. Yeah. Go shoot it. Learn to shoot it. Take a course. Right. <laughs> and then take your safety and those around you safety into your own hands. True. Yeah. You, if yeah, you're that, that scared. be something everybody should really, really consider because it's something that people should do because, I mean, to take care of yourself and your family, your friends, your neighbor, wherever you might be, they might need you, and you can be there, but you got to help. Do what needs to be done. And I'm not saying it's fun. I'm not saying it's fun no, to I, have to worry about, you know, am I the only person in here with a hand arm or a... No, it's not fun, you know. but it's not fun to not, to go anywhere and have to worry about, you know, every, you know, whatever, wherever you go, whatever you do. And that's the way it is now. Yeah. Now, you personally, when you would be taking, let's say, the kids take the family out to dinner, you weren't seeing things on the news that said, hey, there was just a shooting at the movie theater here. <laughs> I'm not saying they weren't occurring, because they were, especially well, we'll in places like New York. Those things have always happened, but it just seems like it's so much worse now. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it was a time where, you know, people just trusted everybody, and now you can't trust anybody, so <laughs> it's a different time. <clears throat> you need to, different time, you need to react differently, you know, better than how to take care of yourself and your family. So honestly, I mean, do you feel like in these times it would be more advantageous to do something like Australia and ban firearms? Or do you think it would be more advantageous for us to drop some of these restrictions and encourage the ownership and use because a responsible, law-abiding citizen is going to be the one following the laws. And when you're disarming them slowly by changing the laws, changing the ability for them to obtain, the wait periods for them to obtain, the amount that they can have, all these things the type of weapon they can have. When you're changing it for the law-abiding citizen, you're weakening the mass. Yeah, true. You should never, every citizen have the right to protect himself and his family. That's just the only way it can be. I mean, uh, bad people in this world <laughs> can do bad things, and you're right, you ought to have that right to be able to take care of your family, defend your family. And yourself, your neighbors, your friends, or wherever you might be. Now, I just want to put you in the mindset of a criminal. I know you're not, so it's going to be hard. But let's say you're convicted felon, been to prison. Let's say you've had a couple B&Es and a domestic assault. Okay. You get out after, ah, let's say, 15 years. You do a short stint, 15 years. Let's say the B&Es weren't armed. Okay. You break and enter, you think nobody's home the first time, maybe the second time, third time, you're beating your wife, your kids, 
boom. 15 years later, you're out. You don't have options. You can't just go get a job. Right. You can't just... Think of how fast technology is going. When you went in, you didn't even have the internet. You come out, and there's Facebook. And cell phones. They're a touchscreen. There's a thing called the cloud and crypto. Right? Yeah. How are you going to assimilate with society? Are you going to feel like you're part of society? No, certainly not. I mean, if you've been... <laughs> no, if that being incarcerated that long, you know... Everything that has changed as much as that much, and you know, yeah, you would feel lost, I guess, <laughs> desperate for some sanity, I guess, some reasoning about what's happened. Now, on that note, would it be a stretch to say that you're already, you already have a history of breaking the law? Maybe you get into a little bit of drug dealing. Or maybe you hit up a couple of your old friends, and they're still doing the same thing they were doing. Maybe they advance a little bit. They're cutting catalytic converters out from under vehicles at Walmart, whatever. Would it be, would it be a stretch to say that instead of going in and applying for a job and being told no, 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 I'm sorry, sir, but you have a felony. We don't hire felons. No, no. That maybe after a while you say, you know what? I guess I'll start with the drugs. You know what? Maybe I'll start uh, because I really need this money. I really need to find a place to live, and I can't find a place to live because, one, I don't have money, and, two, they don't want a felon to live here, a violent felon. Maybe this is just what I am. So maybe I'll just find a gun. Yeah, I think that happens to a lot of them. And I don't know. It shouldn't, but I mean, I, you would hope that we could, most of them would be <laughs> helped in prison in a way when they could get out, they could be rehabilitated and everything, but it doesn't always work that way. It's, it's just too hard sometimes. And sometimes good people, even though they made mistakes, can't get out of that. It's just too hard. Well, would you think that even a law would change that? A law that says, all right, you have two years. You know, we put you through some classes. Maybe you board at this place. You stay with people that are somewhat like you because that's one thing I hear is some people miss it when they get out because those are people that know them. That's a place they're comfortable we catch you up on technology. Maybe we put you through an education program where you get, I don't know, an associate's. Yeah, that would be great. I mean, you know, that would be a good thing for you know, I'm mad. I'm sure that helped a lot of people. But would that also help the crime? Certainly. I would think so. I would think a lot of those people would make it that way. You know, I get, get out of that system and get back to a respectable life. I would hope, man. I don't know. I mean, you know, I would think it would be good something that would be certainly worthwhile. To, for a lot of people, I think that would be a good deal. 
I mean, personally, I think that's, again, just personal, but I think that's a lot of our problem with the firearms issues between the psychological treatment. We're not treating our, we don't have beds. We don't have room. We're not having, people are too scared to say, hey, you need help. People are too scared to reach out and say, hey, I need help. People are being alienated. Yeah. They're, they're not being bullied by their friends at school anymore. They're being bullied online by people they can't reach out and swing at. Yeah. What do you do? Now as in the, in the felon example, what do you do when you get out and you're told no and you're used to being able to break in somewhere or intimidate somebody into giving you what you want? You're used to selling drugs. You're used to being in a violent climate. Is that law that says, hey, you can't have this gun because now you're a felon going to stop you, especially if you're around violent people. You still have yeah. the need or the feeling that, to defend yourself. Am I right? Right. So yeah. why is Americans, do you think that when we're seeing all this gun violence on TV, the majority is wanting laws against guns <laughs> and instead of taking that as a hint to arm yourself to protect yourself <laughs> yeah why do you think that is <laughs> i don't know but it's that's yeah there's i think there's a lot of things that could be done but it, there's every time something happens it's always just about stricter gun laws that's it that's the only thing they ever focus on and there's many other ways to it would do so much good that they never get to because it's always about guns, just guns. But why do you think that is? I mean, for example, you've got the people making these laws, pushing for this, that have armed bodyguards. Yeah, they true. live in a gated community. Yeah, they're all uh, protected by bodyguards. <laughs> yeah. But they've got some of us out here that are in the open, unprotected. I don't, I, don't, I don't even want to say some of us because I don't side either red or blue, right? Yeah, right. I feel how I feel. I don't, I don't have a team because there isn't a team that completely represents me. But they have some of us as an Americans out here screaming that I need you to not have your AR because you could be the next mass shooter. I need you to not have, you know, 15 or 30 round handgun clips. Not even clips, magazines. I hate when people say that. I don't want you to have a 30 round magazine because you could be the next mass shooter. To me, even fully automatic firearms should be legal. As crazy that as that is, I feel like they should be legal. Because it's all about intent. It doesn't matter if a criminal's going to commit a mass shooting. Okay, yeah, he may want to get a fully fought automatic firearm. They're still out there, and he still can. Yeah. Okay, now, I'm not saying that they are as easy to get as a semi-auto or a single shot. Maybe you still need, you know, to get a Class 3. But like something similar, not necessarily the same thing we have now, but something similar, like a concealed carry permit, right? Yeah. You want your concealed pistol, 
you go, you take a class, you do some things. Maybe we have it a little more strict than that. That way there's a record of who, there's a record of the firearm. But I don't think they should be... Because right now, if you want to have one, you can. But you've got to jump through a lot of hoops. And then you wait for two years. Yeah. And then you register one. And then you want to get another one. You're waiting again until the ATF says, all right, cool, yep, you can have it. You're up to date, right, on your permit. You're up to date on your class three or whatever it is. Okay. I'll put my signature on it. You know? What about these collectors? What about these veterans that have trained with them? Right. <laughs> Who's more responsible with them? Right, yeah. You know? Just, they come home and they can't have a tool. They can't practice with a tool. <laughs> that they, especially if when they get out, they have to jump through all these hoops, get all these classifications in order to be able to use a tool that they're trained to use by our tax dollars. I want those people to have one in every truck. Because if something happens on the highway where some crazy dude wants to stop the highway, start (laughs) walking down cars, how many is he going to get to before somebody's going to shoot back at him? Right now, he could probably execute 20, 30 people. (laughs) Right. Especially depending on the state. Texas, you might make it two cars. Yeah. Okay? Right. Here, same thing. You might get five, six cars in. But there's a lot of people that have, they're concealed, and there's a lot of people that are breaking the law and still have a concealed. But they're not just going to let somebody walk up on them like that. My point being, I see all this fear-mongering, and people are buying into it. People are taking the bait and they're saying, yes, protect me by taking my rights. Because if you take my rights, I'm not going to break the law. So go ahead and take those rights away. Because I don't plan on using a firearm to break the law anyways. So I can give that right up. I can give up that freedom. That way, Roger doesn't break his law and use his freedom against me. I'm never going to own a gun. I'm never going to fire a gun, so go ahead and take that away from me. That way nobody else can ever own or fire a gun. That makes me safer. That's what I'm seeing. (laughs) Right, yeah. Where I feel the natural response should be, wow, there's a lot of murders happening. There's a lot of mass shootings happening. Maybe I should go down to the gun store and ask a few questions. Maybe I should go down to the gun store and see if they're offering any classes. Maybe I should just see, you know, for my safety, for my family's safety, what the baseline I should keep in my house is. Maybe I just buy a shotgun for the house. Maybe I take it to the range and I enjoy shooting it. Maybe I take a class and I get my pistol so I can keep it in my car. That way I'm safe wherever I'm at. I don't understand why it's not happening. I don't understand why the immediate mindset is take my freedom, take my rights, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Like the First Amendment. If I hurt your feelings by anything I say today, are you going to go and say, you know what, you know what, I don't don't think you should be able to say this because I would never say that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
you know if i were to if i were to change my gender and you had to call me justine and then you wanted to dead name me and call me jarell i'm not gonna go and be like all right first amendment you can't say that you can't say that to me because that hurts i'm not gonna go take your freedom to say how you feel (laughs) yeah i mean that's Honestly, the whole point of me doing this podcast, I, you know, I feel like our First Amendment slipping, and that's the first step. There's a reason it's our First Amendment. It's yes. not our fifth. <laughs> it's not our thirteenth. Right. It's our very first. And the reason our Second Amendment is our Second Amendment is because speech is more important. Right. Right. If you can't say what you feel, you can't rally the troops. Right. We can always arm up, whether we have an amendment or not. We can get our hands on weapons. We can get our hands on defensive tools. Yeah. But if we can't have the freedom to assemble, protest, and say our thoughts, one, I'm not going to know what you're thinking, okay, which is important to me. Right, right. Whether or not you agree with me, I need to know how you think. Yeah. Because you may have a thought process, or you may have an angle on something that actually affects me for the better. Right. And vice yeah. versa. I may have something that you think, wow, that's amazing. I never thought of it that way. Or I may have an opinion on something that you didn't have an opinion on. Where we all lift each other up by that. Yeah. And it's fine to disagree. Yeah. Right? right. Yes. We have we have family that we disagree with. Right. Doesn't not make us family. Some families they don't talk to those people. <laughs> yeah. Right? They take it personal. Right. Yeah, that's not good. But we all have things that other people disagree. Nobody like I said, I don't pick a side red or blue because of that. I can't align 100%. I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm a purple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh. Is that you? Yeah. Yep. Let me pause it really quick. All right. We're back. Well, uh, I don't want to keep beating the dead horse on the whole gun thing, but I do want to ask you, so... I'm pretty sure I I got some gold in there on why you do not think that gun laws work. Okay. The whole gun law thing, I understand. It's it's a hot topic. I think we got our opinion out there. But I wanted to ask you, what do we do about the tyranny and why do well, first off, why do we allow the tyranny? Allow what? The tyranny. In the government, in the uh, wow. authority. That would... <laughs> like, as an American, you want to move this a little closer to your... That, I... Why do we allow it? I don't... <laughs> it's like the government. <laughs> it's got so much power, we don't have... A, People don't have the power anymore. You know, it's, it's 
the government's a tyranny. I mean, it's like they control. With they just, it's about all about power, and uh, so for both parties, it's the same. It's not about the people. People don't have the power anymore. It's the government. But that's, I guess that's what I'm asking, is why do you think we allow that? Well, <laughs> Because we do have the power. We are the citizens of the United States. We Number one, we outnumber them. Number two, we have the Second Amendment. For, if you remember this line, for enemies, foreign or domestic. Okay? Yeah. It's to stop tyranny. It's to prevent tyranny. They know that. Yeah. Just as much as... We should know that. That's not something that's openly taught in the schools anymore. No. Now, what do we do about it? Well, <laughs> I think the... It's a tough question, I know, but there's yeah, a lot of answers. Yeah, it's a tough question because I think that uh, it's... The government has got... has Well, I think it goes back to the, everything that they... <laughs> The people don't, are more like indoctrinated into the system that the government wants now, instead of like the people for America. It's more like the people, the government is trying to change our country through the system, and which has been going on so long, yeah, the people don't have, the people are, They just, uh, <laughs> the generation, the younger, you know, they've just been going, it keeps going, getting younger and younger and younger, and it all through the system of the, the power of the government has changed it. They, they change in everything that this, I guess, the country was founded on, really. So it's been a slow process, but <laughs> long and slow. It's been going on for so long, I think a lot of the people don't. It just it, accept it now. They don't have the people anymore that uh, will fight for what's right. So what do you think? What do you think the cause of that is? I mean, do you think it's intentional? Do you think I it's... believe it's intentional? It's definitely. I don't think the. You know. The leaders of the country don't believe that our country is a great country anymore. I mean, that, not anymore. It's the way they don't think it was. All they want to do is <sighs> you know, all the good things that our country has done, they, they only can find bad things about our country. And that's what they <laughs> that's what's important to them. Not the great things that the country has done. Countries have made mistakes in the past, but we've done so many good things for our, not only our country, everybody in the whole world, really. You know, the strongest, most giving, caring country in the world. It takes care of pretty much the whole world. We try. And a lot of people uh, have forgotten that we were founded by immigrants. We were founded by... All right. We were founded by... Runaways, runaways that were fleeing a tyrannical monarchy. Well, the most patriotic people in this country now are people that are just 
never came here not not long ago but i mean the ones that are coming here <laughs> yeah. from different countries and they're the ones that want to fight for this country because they know how what this country is for what it's what it's done for they came here for because of they they knew what our country was about and they're the most patriotic people that we have now in this country people that come from 100%. immigrants from different countries because they want they come here and they, know they want to fight for what they, this country stands for 100 percent. you've got the issue at the southern border right right yeah, the, yeah. those people aren't coming here because it's great there where they're coming from right they're also not coming here because it's a little bit less terrible yeah. <laughs> they're coming here because like you said they know they know what the the options are. They know what the possibilities are. And even though it's not likely now to make it like 30, 40 years ago, they're willing to work hard to do what they can because not only is it safer for them, but there's more freedom. For example, the women that are coming over from the Middle East, they don't have to wear their hijab here, right? Some choose to. Yeah. It, There's it, a freedom it, of religion. That's, what it, that's a freedom of, yeah, that's a part of why you can come here. You can have that choice. You don't have choices in other countries. Right back to the First Amendment. You can come here as an immigrant, and you can speak your foreign tongue. All right. And I'm not a fan of those people that say, speak English, we're... Americans here, right? Yeah. I can understand it where it gets frustrating sometimes, especially if you feel like somebody's talking about you, right? Yeah. But that's the beauty of the freedom, is that you have the freedom to learn a foreign language. You have the freedom to do whatever you want to an extent, as long as it's not harming another, whether it's fiscally or physically. Yep. You can't fraud somebody knowingly. Right. You also can't physically abuse, and you also can't call for physical abuse to somebody. And that's about it. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's. You can practice whatever religion you want. Yeah. If you want to influence and have a cult, that's fine. As long as your cult isn't going out and murdering people. Yeah, you just have to come here and respect the laws of this country, and you're going to be welcome. So what do you feel... If you come here legally. What, so what do you feel about our Constitution? Like, how do you... I've, I've heard a lot in the past about, oh, uh, we need to ratify the Constitution. We need to change it. We need to amend it. How do you feel about that? <laughs> well... Uh, <laughs> they've done. They've been amendments to the Constitution before, but at this point, I <laughs> don't see where we can. There's any thing that uh, where we're, this country is ever going to benefit by any kind of amendments to the Constitution. I think our Constitution is <sighs> pretty strong the way it is, and it always will be. <laughs> and it's it's amazing how they. I found any fathers 
came up with such a tremendous it wasn't easy constitution i mean it was it took a while but they did it right now i'm not trying to be a sarcastic or a contrarian but i think it was easy for them i think it was easy because not only were they born and raised in a time where life itself was difficult okay but they were also born and raised in a place where freedom itself was subjective <laughs> for example if you wanted to eat meat you couldn't go kill a deer or a rabbit on the king's land if you wanted to make money it was subjective to the king the queen how much money you paid them off the money you made the whole tax system you make a dollar I get 75 cents because I'm providing you with land I'm providing you with the safety that another country isn't going to come here and raid parliament they were raised in a time where men were walking in public with swords, rapiers, right? Yeah. If you weren't armed, you weren't a man. Yeah. And if you weren't armed, you weren't a man that had a family because you're not going to have a family and not be willing to protect them. Yeah. If you weren't armed, you weren't respected. They came from a place where they knew what tyranny, tyranny, tyrannical individuals could do. They also came from a place where beyond the tyranny, they were oppressed of their freedoms from birth, perhaps. Maybe not if they were immigrants from somewhere else where they had more freedom. But they came from a place where when they fled, all of a sudden they could breathe. And then what's one thing you would want to do is protect that. Yes, sir. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> so I don't think it was hard for them. Because imagine the literacy rate back then. Oh, yeah, that's true. Difficult to be literate. I think the hardest thing for them was the education to put their feelings into words for us to then, I don't even want to say interpret because they did a great job putting their feelings into words, their thoughts into words. And I don't want to overlook the fact that some of these people were slave owners, some of these people were criminals, okay, in our modern day culture. But I'm fine with that. Because from what they came from and what they endured, they wanted better. Yeah. Now. And they were, when you, yeah, then they were going to make sure they, once you get, you get that, they're going to fight for it. They're not going to lose that. They're going to take you know they're going to make sure that doesn't go away right 
Right. And, okay, Native Americans. Okay, there was a genocide. Whatever. I'm not saying whatever as in, it's cool that it happened. Okay? But to your point, we all make mistakes. Yeah. We came here, there were people here, and the freedom was a little rampant. We got greedy. We said, I really like this land. It could just be mine without taking into account or consideration the individuals that live there that didn't speak your language, that had a different philosophy, a different religion. To some of the tribes, all the land was all of theirs. Yeah. They didn't own any because they were nomadic. To some right. of the tribes, they had defined boundaries. That's a difficult political thing to try and figure out, especially when you don't speak the tongue. Yeah, but we're here and we're not reminded we're not taught about that history as deeply as you would have been in 1870 1880 right. yeah. as close as within a hundred years of us saying we the people okay of the United States of America within a hundred years of that I guarantee there was an extreme curriculum saying, hey, even even as the Native American stuff was happening, there was curriculum saying, remember what we fled from. Yeah. People were coming over from Ireland, Germany, Poland, you name it. Right. Europe, Southern America. Look at what's going on with Canada right now. Yeah. We're going to start taking refugees from the northern border as much as the southern border and i don't want to say it's privilege but the only difference in the northern border personnel becoming citizens is probably going to be their wealth they'll have stable jobs they'll be in a safer environment where they can take their money that they've earned come here legally and safely and go through all the steps to become a citizen yeah you look at people coming up from the southern border. Not only are they oppressed, a lot of them don't have jobs, or the jobs they have, their money's taken, right? That's why they come here. A lot of them come here and send money back home because they have family that doesn't, they work for nothing. Cartels come in and tell them what they will or won't do. So... I mean, just personally, I feel like that's something that uh, is forgotten is, you know, yeah. you're in your fenced yard, you let your dogs out at night, you don't worry about, is there a coyote or a mountain lion? <laughs> Maybe you do, but even deeper, you're not worrying about whether or not there's a British soldier or whoever on patrol Yeah, that may or may not just want to... Kill your dog, because they can. What are you going to do? Right. Because you yeah. don't have weapons. You have, a, I guess, <laughs> maybe a sword, and they have a musket, you know? <laughs> yeah. You don't have kingsmen. We have policemen. We yeah. don't have somebody that works for the monarchy to the same extent as there once was. CIA, okay? FBI, Secret Service. Even our military, 
to an extent, is bound to the government. But we have policemen that people want to defund now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, uh... Which they're your first line of protection. Yeah. <laughs> and they can see what happened. <laughs> right. Look at New York. Yeah. <laughs> Even more reason for you to take up arms and protect right. yourself. That's what happens. I mean, that's why it's... There's so many, the gun sale is so high, it's going off to the roof because citizens have less police protection now, and now because they want to defund the police, and then now the police are retiring, they don't have to, they can't get support from their, their cities, their governments, you know, and that makes it tougher. For the citizens, when they don't have the protection, when they need some help, there's none available. Or the times are through the roof because the police that there are are so overtasked. Yeah. <laughs> and then they've got all of the restrictions now they put on police officers. They can only, you know, they can't do this, you know. And then when they do do their job, right, unlike what most of them do. Unless somebody that's, you know, they lose it. You know, doing something illegal, then they uh, take them to jail, and next day they're out. So, you know, so people have to protect themselves. Yeah, and <clears throat> so let me ask you this then: What's the solution to the police issue? What do you think the solution would be? I know there's no easy. To me, there is an easy, but that's because I'm sort of biased on this. <laughs> well, I, you know, we need sort of defunding a place. You need, to, I don't know, refund a police or something. But I, not, of course, not all those, you know, not every, you know, jurisdiction around the country or cities or anything defunded the police. But it was a, just a lot of them did. And I mean, it, it was like the police have. Every time that would happen, as something the police would be uh, looked at as like, you know, uh, the villains instead of protecting yeah. the citizens. So nobody wants to be a police officer anymore. But that's that's a good word, villain. <laughs> yeah, well, that's you know, and, and we need more police officers. And you can't get them anymore because nobody wants to be a police officer. And people are retiring. You know, if we had more more police, where we could people could feel safe. And when you needed a police officer, they could, you know, you, you know, you you needed somebody, you call, you know, you're going to get a response. No, you don't know because we just don't have that the police force anymore to take care of everything. And then they're so restricted on things they can do now, so that, that makes it worse for both the police officer and the citizens. Oh yeah, well, in my opinion. And again, feel free to shoot holes in it. My opinion, you landed on a big, big nail with a big hammer to refund the police. Okay? And the reason I say it's a big nail and not a small nail is because there's nuance to that. Where do you refund them? Well, you, you make an incentive for it to be a job, for one. 
but two, you train them. You don't train them once. You don't have ride-alongs for the first month, six months. You don't have a field training officer for a short period of time, right? Yeah. Maybe you need to have somebody do, I don't know, monthly academies or bi-monthly. Or if it's a job that you're literally defending the public, especially if you're in a populace that's over a certain number, let's say 20,000 people. If you're in a populace where you're more likely to see certain things more often, maybe you need to have mandatory training for certain things in a cycle, not right. once I mean, every I, year. I, I think that they probably do some of that, but I don't probably not enough, maybe. I definitely think not enough because well, probably you're probably right. Probably not enough, but I mean, anything. Yeah, if there's probably a lot of different things that they can do, but you know, all takes money though. So you know, and then there's right. That's where you have a lot of problems. You know, well, especially there's a lot of money defunding. for a lot of things that are <laughs> that shouldn't be available to a lot of people. I mean, a lot of things they spent way so much money and so many. Ridiculous things that you know they should if they could get you know get the money organized and put it in the right places you know they'd have plenty of money for that. If they would have taken that thirty billion dollars that they gave to Ukraine and split it up to seventy five, seven hundred fifty million per state to divvy out to their police forces, <laughs> yeah, that'd have fixed a lot of it. Well, yeah, I mean it's. And that's on average per state. Obviously, per populace, it's going to have to be adjusted. But I'm just saying, an average over 50 states, 30 billion, right? About 750 million, 600 million, something like that. So, look at <laughs> look at the whole defund thing from my perspective for a second, if you will. You're out here in the country. And you're in a small populace. Not only are you able to defend yourself, you know what I mean? You've got protection. Easily accessible. But you expect a little bit of a wait time because you're not two blocks away from the precinct. Yeah. And even then, they don't really patrol out here. Yeah, right. So you already know yourself if you're going to call with a oh, break-in yeah. or a violent situation. Oh, yeah, it's going to take a while. And you're more than likely going to be able to handle it before they get <laughs> right, here. Yeah. Or you're going to have to. Going to have to. Now, what happens when you're in a city block that's got maybe 2,000 people living in it with apartments and all this, like right. an inner city in Chicago or oh, yeah. New York or Los Angeles? What happens when you have four calls within a couple blocks and maybe one of them is a violent offender. Yeah. <laughs> they should get priority, right? Right. But what happens when you're so stressed because you've got all these calls constantly <laughs> that you show up and maybe you do something out of anger or stress because it's not trained how to automatically respond. There's yeah. a reason our military... Yeah, I was going to say the military trained for that. I mean, you know, the police officers should be trained for that, but I probably don't get enough training for it. I don't... Yeah, there should be training 
more training for those officers or anybody that's involved in those situations. Because you don't know what you're going to get into. You have to be ready for, prepared for anything. And I, it's just a number I'm just going to ghost out there. Maybe 25% of time on duty should be training. Yeah. I mean, you talk to you talk to a lot of soldiers, no matter what they did, they spent a lot of time training. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, why do we have such a tremendous military service men? Because they train. That's because of, it's a training they have. They get good I mean, at what they do. They get, uh, they got some good uh, equipment to work with, but I mean, you know, that's the training they have that's really makes it work well and you listen to any navy seals talk or anything like that and it almost seems like most of the time they were training oh yeah even overseas <laughs> they would maybe yeah, see a couple of scenarios I mean, is, have well. a target and they would set up that scenario and train on it before oh, yeah. they ran that mission oh right yeah <laughs> yeah there's that's why they're so good at it. They just train. Right. Look at a bodybuilder, right? Oh, well, yeah. You think he's just going to show up to a job site where he's got to carry a bundle of shingles up the roof and not be able to do it? Or only <laughs> be able to do it for a couple days before his stress hits him? Yeah. Or he takes a warehouse job where he's got to lift heavy things and put them up on a shelf? <laughs> you think that's going to get to him? No, because he trains. Yeah. You take me, <laughs> I could do it. But I would strain, and it would get to me mentally a lot quicker than it would him. Oh, yeah. Because he's trained with heavier and harder things. Right. Yeah, it's that training. Now, personally, again, I feel like we need to fund the police a little more. But I did want to ask you a couple things. I know you mentioned earlier about the Cold War stuff. You don't really remember a lot of it, but. Do you remember in school, like, having any drills, anything like that, any training? It's kind of what, you know. Well, I, you know, yeah, I know we did. It wasn't, we didn't have many. I mean, it was uh, something that we did maybe, you know, I don't know, a couple times a year in school or something, you know, but. I don't remember. <laughs> That's been too long ago for me. <laughs> That's all right. But <clears throat> but you know there was some sort of preparedness. Oh it, yeah. It wasn't just oh yeah the nukes hit and then everybody for themselves. All there right. was a plan. I, I remember when <laughs> I used to have an observation place in on a small town, Middleton, Michigan, on a roof of a building. And we used to volunteer to look for aircraft, and we would report it. Really? Yeah. That's... Every time we seen a plane, we'd have to call it in. You know, we could tell what it was like, you know. Most of them were props. And you'd call it, see how many. We'd have binoculars, and you could look at them. But we didn't see it too often, but I mean... Mostly, I mean, we were just reporting everything, which was more likely just, <laughs> you know, passenger planes. But, but that was still one of those things we did. Yeah, you know, 
And I this is the first time I've ever heard of that. Yeah. Where, now, did you ever volunteer for that? Well, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of uh, kids in town. I mean, the young kids, you know, like we were in high school or something. Yeah. And we always have, you'd have a certain time, you know, you'd go over there and then somebody else would come in after you left. And, Consider that a date night or whatever, yeah. sit up there with the right the honey and watch for planes. Yeah. Yeah, you have the telephone huh. there and every time you see a plane, we'd check it out and see which way it was going and check on the model of the plane when you know the what it was how many engines it had on it really yeah huh <laughs> i don't know why that's so cool to me but that's uh again yeah. that's coming out of world war Two, going yeah. into a cold war yeah pre-korea right that's a time when we were still unified yeah. <laughs> right. I guarantee today <clears throat> you do that, you set something up like that, and somebody on the other end is going to be making fun of the person calling oh. in and doing the work saying, hey, this is what I see. Yeah. Oh, that's just another, you know, Southwest flight. Right. Oh, this yeah. guy, this guy, he never reports anything that's. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, yeah. Things have changed quite a bit. That's amazing that that, uh, now, kind of on that note, that's, to me, that's what it takes to protect, right? If you, okay, so if you were to take and set up your own tribe, your own group of people, and you were to do kind of what our founding fathers did, right? You find your own island, it's huge, the size of Alaska. You say, okay, this is ours now. Nobody's here. So you don't have to genocide the indigenous. You say, wow, this is an uninhabited island. This is ours. We need to make some rules so that we can keep it safe and free. What is the first thing that you would establish as far as a group, a job? You know what I mean? Like... Would you have doctors first? Would you want doctors? Would you want educators? Would you want soldiers? Would you want police force? Would you want salesmen? Well, <laughs> you need it, protection of some kind. <laughs> Thank you. 100%. The first thing you need is a way to protect that. Right. Because the second you start building markets... Oh, yeah. The second you start educating the people within, somebody can come in from the outside and say, wow, I found this island, but hey, it looks like there's people here <laughs> that can't defend themselves. Yeah. Right. It looks like it's my island now. Yeah. <laughs> now, is it any wonder that Native Americans, the warriors, were not idols necessarily but they were extremely respected hmm. but it also is it any wonder that they fit right into society that they could come home from a raid or a battle and sit around the campfire and not have the PTSD we have today at the levels we have I mean obviously we don't know 100% but there's not many tales of Warriors committing suicide or committing genocide on their own tribe. 
Right. Yeah. My theory on that is they came home, they sat down at the fire, and they talked about it. Yeah. They educated the kids while they were letting out their feelings. Yeah. They're telling the details. Hey, you know, I ran an arrow through his eye. His brain was leaking out on the arrow. You put an image in this kid's head. Yeah. You cry. You get consoled by the people around you that you did that for. Yeah. The people around you were a smaller group than we have now. So that was obviously easier. It was more direct. It was more hands-on. You could literally go and say, hey, man, that battle we were in today, you know? Yeah. It was the eight of us. Yeah. What did you see? What did you feel? Yeah. You know? Whereas now you have hundreds of thousands of soldiers that are meant to defend this country that (laughs) we put down or we don't train. We're not growing our military. No. But like you said, I agree. That's the first thing is protection. You say, all right, none of us are trained soldiers. We landed on this island. <laughs> who who cares about it enough that they're going to protect it? Um, yeah, so I personally think that that's the first thing you need to do. I think you're right about that. Is, uh, it comes down to protection first. Now, <clears throat> just to get a little off topic, I know we've kind of beat the whole arms thing, uh, the defense thing. All that, I mean, he even just got to hear some live America happen. But as a kid, did you have a dream job? Did I have a dream job? No, what do you mean that I did have a dream job? I mean, a dream job that I used to, a dream that I could, that I could have when I was, yeah, like a career dream job? Or? Yeah, like when you were a kid, did you want to be like, you know, how a lot of kids want to be firemen? I was a kid, uh, I guess probably... Wow. You know, when I grew up and uh, every I just people just wanted a job wherever you could find work. That's what <laughs> that's the kind of job that that's just the mindset of everybody. You know, most well I say most, not everybody, but you know, most of the people I grew up with you just you just wanted a job, so whatever you could find, that's what you did. I mean you're always looking for the best job you could find, but Specific job? Yeah. I guess there's... I know the mindset was different. I guess... Well... I mean, I'm not saying the mindset was different as in... Well, I mean, yeah, I'd always like to have been a professional baseball player. That would have been wonderful. Okay. See? Yeah, I love to play baseball. But I knew that was never going to (laughs) happen. Why is that? (laughs) Well, yeah, they're a little bit better than I was, those major leaguers. (laughs) A lot better. Yeah, but I mean... Well, you could dream. Well, not just that, but, you know, a lot of them probably started in the same... Well, yeah. Maybe they had yeah, a natural talent, but I mean, the time, the work, Yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. Like the kids that are skating uh, from the age would, of four, they're more yeah, likely to well, be in the NHL than me. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Well, you have to be start at four if you're going to be in an H- NHL. <laughs> Uh, most of them are from colder climates, so they can skate all year, winter, yep. or all summer, and winter, and all seasons. Dad puts a 
pond in the backyard just for his kid to skate on, yeah. you know, that type of stuff. Yeah, you would <laughs> have it there most of the year, probably, if you live far enough north. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I guess as a kid, you know, baseball, yeah. I get it. But other than that, I mean, did you want to, did you have like uh like ambitions to be a fireman or were you thinking about like, uh, you know, like me, welding was always cool, you know, I didn't want to be the type of welder I am now necessarily. I wanted to kind of build my own things, have my own business, not saying I can't, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of roadblocks to overcome, but a lot well, of after I did, Yeah, I, I guess there was quite a few things I think I would have like to have done but I mean I used to dream about it but it's it when I got older I mean you know I after I had a family I didn't have I was those dreams kind of disappeared because you, you you know they shouldn't have but it might it I thought they were because I just felt I didn't my options were just to make sure I could take care of my family so and it worked out okay for me, but I mean, you know, there was a, obviously, well, if I had to start over again, I would probably, uh, yeah, I probably would have done things a little different, but I can't complain, though, about my career. Well, 42 years. Factory. I mean, you know, it was a factory job, but they took care of me, so. 42 years at that. It wasn't, 42 years, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't, uh, and it was a career. I had some hard jobs, some good jobs, you know, so. But it was okay. And that was 42 years at the same same yeah. place, right, GM? Yes, 42 years. <laughs> yeah, and that's not your entire work resume because obviously you've had jobs before and oh, yeah. even after, you know. Right. right. Yeah, wow. I've always thought there were a lot of things I could have done that was, you know, like that I would have liked to have done, but I mean... <laughs> I don't know, I like to build things, you know, so my dad was a carpenter. I think, wow, that would have been a good deal. I kind of like those jobs because it gives you a little more freedom to be outside and things like that. So I think I would have liked that. What type of things did he build? He built, he was, a, his dad, or his brother, I mean, was a carpenter and built homes. And they always did that. And my, well, my dad he he worked with him for quite a while, built homes, so, and that was uh, really yeah, yep, yeah. wow, yeah, yeah, and they were good at it. they did they did good work. Now were they first generation here? Were their parents immigrants or was that? Uh, yeah, no, I don't think so. I don't think that they were like their parents. Maybe second. Yeah. Yeah. So there was already a work ethic instilled. Oh, right. Obviously passed down that, hey, yeah. you can make what you want here. Right. You know, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I, I didn't know that uh, he had a brother that, you know. Yeah. Uncle Clyde. <laughs> that was my dad's brother. One of them. Huh. Now, did were any of them drafted into World War Two, or were they all? Uh, on my dad's side, I yeah. don't remember. But on my my mother's side, quite a few. I had quite a few uncles that were in the 
military and uh, served. Yeah, and most all of them did. I guess all all of her brothers, which is really yeah. Wow. And on your mom's side, were they first generation? Uh, like their parents came here. No, that was uh. Nope, they be their parents. <laughs> their great grandparents. Immigrated. Yeah. Huh. Now, I just did a 23 in me, and I got my results in. Oh, really? Yep. I was actually going to see if you were interested in doing one. I'll see if I can pull them up here without being online. Um, because I had, uh, <laughs> I had some things that were uh, interesting. I can't believe how deep it went. I'm seeing if it will come up right now. Saying I have 4G, so hopefully it'll pop up. But, okay, here it is 55.2% European. Really? <laughs> yep. And 43.5% Sub Saharan African. Oh, jeez. Yep. Wow. Now, that's pretty much. <laughs> it shows French and German, 26.2%. Jeez. <laughs> British and Irish, point three, And that's for the Northwestern European. Eastern European. Lesser Poland. Which I'm assuming is Grandma. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, Jeez. and it shows me three regions. V- Voivodeship. So, Lesser Poland, Voivodeship. Podrypaki, Voivodeship. Or Masovian Vavoidaship. Oh, wow. And I don't know exactly what those regions are. <laughs> I know uh, Lesser Poland is has Krakow in it. But that's about it. Oh. That's all I can see on here. Well, right now, I guess, as far as... But yeah, and then uh, West African, 19.6%. Ghanaian, Liberian, and Sierra Leonean. Huh, 13.3% Nigerian. So I think it'd be cool if we could uh, get you one. Because it'd be interesting to see, um, like it tells me right here, Cheryl Berry, 26.12% DNA shared. <laughs> right? <laughs> yep, Joel... An uncle on my dad's side, 26.12% DNA shared. Jeez. One of my half-brothers, 22.15% DNA shared. Jeez. Jesse. Oh, yeah. Cousin Jesse, 12.72%. Right? Jeez. So, there's, uh, it shows distant cousins and all that good stuff, like Raven. Yeah. 1.91% DNA shared. <laughs> She's done one. Jeez. <clears throat> but that's, that's that's interesting. Yeah. So. So as a kid, you know, obviously doing, like I said, we'll wrap this up here pretty soon. I know it's getting late, but as a kid, <clears throat> when, like, did did you have uncles that made it back from World War Two? 
Several oh, of yeah. them, a couple of them. Yeah. They the, all made it back. They, <laughs> oh, they all made it back? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Did they yeah. share any experiences or? Well, like a lot of them, they didn't, you know, those. They didn't talk a lot about it, but we knew I knew some things about it. So, and I knew my uncle Paul was. He was. He went to some tight spots, so <laughs> he wanted some reconnaissance missions. And I know at one time, I mean one time, he was the only one that made it back. So he was pretty fortunate. From one of his missions. From what? One of his missions. He was the only yeah, one. Yeah, was to... reconnaissance thing. You know that he. He Behind sent out a lines. few, like just a few uh, men, just you know, just to check everything out, gather intel. Yeah. Wow, and he was the only one to make yeah, it back. One of those times. I don't know. Remember how many was there was in that when they sent those men out, but wow, it was you know it's a small number, but he was he was the only one that made it back, so he was pretty lucky there. So war. <laughs> Horrible thing. Yeah, that's... So many of them didn't. Well, and then you grew up through Korea and Vietnam. Yeah. So I'm sure a lot of your peers went. Oh, yeah. I, cousins. Right. That yeah. type stuff. Well, yeah, I knew some guys personally didn't make it back out of Vietnam. Yeah, and... <clears throat> There was a draft during that period, I mean, but I was married and I would have two children, two girls, so they never contacted me. I don't know if because of my draft status, I assumed that was why, but. Now, do you remember, you know, does do any stories stick with you from that period, Korea, Vietnam? Maybe just, you know, somebody in a bar or any of your buddies coming home saying, uh, hey, man, that sucked, or hey, I had fun working on these helicopters, anything. Well, like I, that, I knew. I had a cousin that was, you know, that I knew that was in Vietnam. <laughs> he told me some stories, you know. <laughs> I don't know. It was, there was times he said he, he didn't, Take his boots off for a month at a time because you know when you're in a war zone, you have to be uh, ready to battle all the time. There's no taking breaks. So I mean, it was like when you were out, out in the whatever they called it, you know, out in the field. You know, you were just there until uh, you know they whatever you finished your mission. So you didn't just. Go home at night. Yeah, you just—that was it. It was day and night. Yeah, you wouldn't want to get caught in the jungle with your boots off. No, that's <laughs> that's like uh, where they say getting caught with your pants down. Yeah, that's worse. Oh yeah, that's, that's worse. That was. I remember you used to tell me it's like when they come out and get line up for breakfast or something, you know, and you know they'd have. They'd always well, they had the Agent Orange, you know the kill all the foilies around the barracks and stuff. But they would always come out and shoot bazookas in all the trees and stuff. You know. Just to make sure that there weren't any snipers. Night, you know, of course yeah, but I mean they yeah, so you said it was always fun to go out and shoot all them bazookas. <laughs> but, 
So he, he, he got go out, to shoot. You know, he didn't have to go out and stand in line. He had to go outside, you know, get in the chow line. And so they had to make sure he was safe out there. So Yeah. Man. Yeah. that's And you've been listening to some of those John Stryker Myers, the SOG cast? Or... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's some. Oh, yeah. Those are some amazing stories there. Jeez. Some of those guys that fought in, oh. I think, uh, I can't remember if it was Jocko or Tilt that had a guy on that fought in World War II, Korea, and Vietnam. Oh, yeah? Or read a book about a guy or something like that. It was, I got to go back and listen to some of those because they're, they're what? Yeah. <laughs> they're what makes you, when you're having a bad day. I like to listen to oh, something geez. deep yeah. about that, I mean, like uh, yeah. prisoners of war, <laughs> somebody that's been, you know, yeah, in I heavy contact. Reading one, about one of those guys that was, I can't remember his name now, I wish I could, but he went through, oh man, he went through some bad stuff. He was just lucky to get out of there. POW? No, he wasn't a POW, but he was in so many battles and uh it was it was just really bad you know and he he did manage to get through all of that and then he was he got out and he was out for a while and he just said i gotta go back and he they came back and he said why did you come back he said i got you i said i can't leave my i got you know i got people my men here are still here they said they need me so and he Man. went, he re-enlisted, and he was Man. back to the front lines of fighting again. Some guys are just made like that, I guess. <laughs> Those are the kinds of people that uh, made this country, I guess, of what it is. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> those are true Americans here. <laughs> well, back in World War One, you know, when we would just send people over the trench, wave after wave. Oh, yeah. And the Germans would do the same, or the <laughs> Soviets, whatever, wave after wave. And then World War II comes around, we evolve, we're doing more <laughs> artillery, right? Yeah. Technology's advanced. We've learned that, hey, you can't just throw bodies at the problem. Right. We've gotten to the point where now we can have a group of five or six navy seals or green berets or oh, yeah. rangers go in and do the work that it would have taken 40 guys to do just yeah. because of efficiency right. but also yeah. the education yeah of okay this is let's try it this way it doesn't work let's train that that doesn't work yeah. let's have the guys that have been through the ringer talk to the guys that are stepping up to the ringer and tell them, yep. train them. The training. <laughs> but also, it works. those books. Books are becoming a thing of the past as far mm. as like sales. A lot of people are doing audio books. Um, a lot of guys are, f for a lack of a better word, they're kind of, uh, they're ghost writing. They're having other people write, you know, they're talking to a yeah. person that's, taking their words and yeah. interpreting it this way and they may or may not run it by the dude or woman 
and you're getting somebody else inserted into the middle of a story that may have an anti-war sentiment. <laughs> yeah. Now, if you were coming home and after 20 years of service and you already have an anti-war sentiment, sentiment, you don't need a ghostwriter to give you that anti-war sentiment. Yep. <laughs> I just I feel like there's a lot of that going on, but there's also because the books of old aren't being put into audio, people that are listening to podcasts and audiobooks now aren't getting that history directly from the source anymore. Yeah. Um, what you're yeah. seeing in the New York Times or CNN yeah. that's being twisted or, you know, they may take, you know, a, a headline and make it seem like one thing and then you read the article and you realize, oh, it's not that one thing. Like, oh, you know, um, are all Americans bad or, you know, are all gun-owning Americans criminals? And then you read the article and then... They may throw anecdotes in there like this guy defended his family, this guy defended the country. Okay, I guess they're not all criminals, you know. Yeah. But just the headlines, the things that grab you. Yeah. Right. The things that they're putting out there aren't it's not history. Well you can't learn, you know. It's it's hard to learn like that. Yeah. But all right, well, uh I guess, uh, like I said, I know it's getting late. I see you over there hiding some yawns. It's almost almost 9. We've been going about an hour and 45 here. Oh, really? <laughs> yep, it flies. I know it flies. Yeah, yeah. Especially when oh, yeah. you get ranting and you got a oh, yeah. raccoon coming up <laughs> doing uh, property damage. Yeah. But, you know, on that note, I just want to, uh, one, I want to thank you for sitting down. We definitely got to do this more often. I'm gonna try and gonna try and make this a weekly thing, where I'm doing a podcast, whether it's solo or I sit down with somebody. Um, you know, during the week after work, if you got time, if I give you a ring, I can come over here. It takes me about 20 minutes to set all this up. The more I do it, the more proficient I'll get at it. Maybe it'll eventually only take me 15. Audio, hopefully, you'll get better quality, all that good stuff. But, you know, if I don't know if you still have that notebook floating around, but if you have anything that, you know, comes to your mind. Yeah. Uh, Something. Yeah, I'll try and. Just leave leave it open on the table. So when you see it, you know, if if you remember, hey, I got to go to Kroger's. Yeah. You can use the notebook for that. But just save a couple pages up front for that type of stuff. Maybe even put a post-it note at the top so you know where the divider is. And then just save a couple pages for, hey, I'd like to ask Jarrell this. I'd like to get his opinion on that. Or I'd like to share this. I'd like to share my opinion on that. <laughs> you know, yeah. things that you think the world needs to hear. Things that you would like your family to hear. Because eventually, I'm I'm hoping the internet doesn't go down. I'm hoping the servers don't crash. I'm hoping that this stays around for a very long time, the internet. Yeah. Because the longer it's around, the longer you're immortalized, the longer I'm immortalized. When I get grandma uploaded, our conversations, the longer she's immortalized. Yeah. Everybody I talk to, our thoughts are immortalized. Our (laughs) thoughts aren't going to be able to be taken. They may be taken down. Yeah. But I'm trying to work toward 
having my own website where I run it, so I'm not at the I'm not at the whim of somebody that says I don't like what you're saying. <laughs> you can't post that on my platform anymore. Yeah. So I'm trying to get self-sufficient there. I'm trying to get consistent, but I'm also trying to stay honest and non-biased. Right. If we disagree, yeah. we disagree. Yeah. We'll talk it out because that's what our First Amendment's for. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's for growth. If I feel like you're doing something wrong, I don't need you to be like, uh, no. I'm right. Yeah. I need you to tell me why you think you're right. And then at the same time, for myself, I don't need to be like, screw that guy because <laughs> yeah. I don't agree with him. Right. I need you, if I, especially if I don't agree with you. You ever yeah, hear I mean, the opposites attract? Right. There's a reason. Yeah. Especially in a relationship. There's a reason opposites attract because there's conversation there. Yeah. If I sit down with you and I say, hey, it was a beautiful day today, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. (laughs) Hey, you like shooting guns, don't you? Yes, I do. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? There's there's no conversation there. (laughs) Nobody's learning anything. Right. Other than maybe small anecdotes like, oh, I didn't know there was a magazine safety in there. What's that do? You know, or, oh, hey, I didn't know that this thing existed or this magazine existed or that you could cook this this way, you know, yeah, there's those. But the discourse, the conversation that says, okay, you don't think that because why? And then maybe even hearing yourself talk that out or myself talk that out is enough to say, you know what? That doesn't even sound when I put it into words. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Or maybe it seems one-sided. Or maybe I haven't looked at it from this direction, and I need that light shined in that corner, you know? All right. So. Yeah, we can all benefit from that. It's kind of why I'm doing this. I see our First Amendment rights slowly slipping. Yeah. I see people calling out to have people canceled that they don't like. Yeah. Instead of just doing what every other person of common sense will do, ignore them. If they're too much, you don't yeah. listen to them. Yeah, common sense is kind of hard to find anymore. Right. So that's just something, and that's another thing. I haven't recorded my intro episode yet, but that's something I have in there, um, is that I just I kind of want to teach, not necessarily curriculum-wise, but through example, free thought. I want people to think for themselves. Because what I see is, like you said, indoctrination. I see people buying into all this propaganda that we're giving ourselves as as when I say we this country is feeding itself propaganda from the top to the bottom yeah just as much as we are every other country out there right you know you see the Russia thing (laughs) they're propagandizing their citizens of course yeah And then we're making a show of that, like, hey, look at the propaganda they're feeding their people. Like, we're not doing it. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Yep. And none of it's right. Right. The only way to grow is to be honest. I mean, if if there's UFOs out there and you have a crashed one, there needs to be conversation about it, what it is. Yeah. If, you know, if, Uh. if you killed JFK, if you had him assassinated... We need to know why. Yeah. And even if it's self-incriminating. Okay? Yeah. So, just uh, do me a favor and 
as you can. Something comes up, you see something on the news, especially with tensions rising with China and Russia, you see something you want to give your opinion on or Okay. Like I said, ask my opinion about just let me know. Yeah. And uh Okay. I'll try and make that. this happen. Awesome. Well, I love you and thank you for you. sitting down and Oh, you're welcome. Talking. Yeah. I know I rambled a little more than I probably should have. I'm pretty excited to get this going, so. <laughs> okay. But all right. Well, you have yourself a good night. I'm going to wrap this up. Okay. Bye everybody. Bye.